Hello, this is Pastor Galen from the First Nazarene Church in Chicago, and welcome to our podcast. Hey, before we hear the message today, I simply wanted to say that no matter where you're at, we're glad that you're listening today. We hope this message will inspire you, instruct you, and help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. And if you live in the Chicagoland area, maybe this is the first step for you joining us in person sometime. Or if you want to, you can always check out our online live services every Sunday on our website at firstnaz.cc. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning again, and welcome into First Nazarene Church. We are excited that you are here today. Uh, I don't know how many of you are excited about Christmas. We are only a few days away. For me, I feel like it's like Christmas is almost here. Let's get ready to celebrate. And most of you that I've talked to, I'm like, oh, are you like, are you ready for Christmas? Uh, one guy actually had the best response this morning. I was like, oh, are you ready for Christmas? And he said, my wife is awesome. Yes. And I was like, that told me so much, and I'm going to steal that. That's the best response I think I've heard uh, yet. Uh, so anyway, thank you for being here as a part of our services today, especially if you are new to our church, maybe it's your first time or first couple of weeks. Thank you uh, for being a part uh, of our services today. If I had a chance to meet you yet, I would love to. My name is Galen. I'm the pastor here. I'd love to chat with you after a service uh, or any time to get to know you a little bit more and to hear your story. Every week as you come into this place, we hope you encounter a community, a family of believers, of people who would love you. And despite where you are uh, in your life or even where you're at in your own faith journey, be a people who would love you and point you to Jesus. For there we know we find truth and love. So thank you for being a part uh, of our service today. As mentioned previously in this service, our service, Christmas service times this week are Wednesday and Sunday. And they were telling you earlier, hey, here's the time. So remember them, write them down, make, make your plans for this week. I have a few other other special notes for you about these times today, too. Uh, I would encourage you, if this is a part of your normal service, we are expecting full services uh, for our Christmas services, so uh, not a lot of wiggle room in here, which will be exciting and fun to celebrate Christmas together. Uh, if this is your normal service, would you maybe potentially consider coming on Wednesday or the 9 a.m. service? Uh, our team thinks that it, as new people come, this might be the service that they would come to. We want to make sure that everyone has room and everyone has a seat to hear the good news of Jesus. And also, if you do come, if you could do me a favor and get here early and then sit towards the front of the room, that'd be wonderful. I know some of you are like, the back row, this is my spot every week. Nobody touch it. I will move your coat. This is my chair. Um, if that's you, I would encourage you to sit closer, especially, I mean, every week, but also during Christmas. Uh, because during Christmas, if someone really is new and maybe more uncomfortable, maybe that would be the best seat for them. So get here early, sit close. We'll have a fun time celebrating uh, Christmas this next week. So I hope you're looking forward to it too. Uh, this Christmas, I have noticed a new tradition. Every year we think of Christmas traditions, maybe it's something on the tree, maybe your family writes uh, or reads a book, my family's doing like the advent calendar from the kids' ministry uh, this year, maybe you've got your normal traditions, and over the last 10 years or so, I've noticed this new developing tradition that more and more people, it feels like, are engaging with, and I don't know if you've noticed this or not, the tradition I'm referring to is sitting around together as a family and watching Hallmark Christmas love stories together. Anybody at your family, you do this sometime during Christmas? Anybody? Yes, you do. And there's, no, and there's nothing else to do. You turn it on. You love it. This is crazy to me. Hallmark puts out 40 movies 
a year. 40 movies a year. And some of you are like, well, yeah, they can do 40 movies a year because they don't reinvent the script. It's the same movie 40 different times. Even as you look at this picture, you're like, is it the same movie? They're all wearing red and green. And they're like, no, they're different. Well, kind of. They kind of are the same movie. Um, like, there's a script for sure. And you're like, no, they, it's the same script. And here's how you can tell, if you haven't already noticed this. When they kiss, the movie's over. There's no ki- You watch it. There's no kissing until the very end. They're like, oh, I love you, I love you, kiss. Within five minutes, it's over. Uh, and I'm like, okay, for those of you that love to complain about Hallmark, and it's the same actresses, we've already seen this movie. No, she's in 30 different movies. Yes, she is. Uh, for those of you that love to complain that it's the same script, the same thing year after year, I would ask the question then, why do they keep doing this? Maybe it's because they're making $340 million a year. So as much as we love to complain, it's the same movie, it's the same script. I think that the reason they're so successful is we as a people love love. We love love, especially around Christmas and the big city girl goes to the small town and finds love there. We love love. The interesting piece about this for me is that we, while we make fun of it, we love the idea of this perfect little scripted life. This is the way that love should be. We honestly love the fact that the movie ends where it does. We don't see that after they get married and then they live together and then they have to like fight over who's gonna do the dishes and not picking up after each other, the real life kind of love. And we love the picture of the ideal love. This week in our series of Unexpected Christmas, as we light the advent candle of love, talking about love in our world. And Christmas is coming. It's going to be the celebration of the God is love and God has come. But before we get to Christmas, let's pause for a moment. The season that we call Advent is actually a season of waiting, of longing, of anticipating God's coming. It's also the recognition, and hear this, that all is not what it should be in the world. We need hope. We need peace because we don't have it. We need this joy that doesn't come from us. And then this week, recognizing and pausing to see, you know what, I may be experiencing a lack of love. I'm still searching for this deep kind of fulfilling love. To pause for a week and recognize that and then turn to God to see how he may give us love even this year. Because I think Christmas is a great magnifier, if you will. Around the church, we put the magnifying glass on Jesus in the manger that God has come to be with us. But I would also say it's the magnifier in our lives. If you come to Christmas and everything in your life is going really well and your family's happy and you got the bonus check and it's, life is a blessing, Christmas seems to be so much sweeter. Yet the opposite is true. If someone is missing from Christmas this year, where things are difficult or hard or I'm looking for work or whatever it may be, Christmas may actually be the magnifier that makes life seem even harder than what it normally is. So what do we do when we're recognizing someone's not here, I'm grieving, I'm missing love maybe that once was? What hope do we have as we look forward to the coming of Jesus? As we do today, I want to read this very familiar Christmas passage to you. It's from Luke 1, 26 through 33, our main text from the day. It says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is 
with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Do not be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. And he will be very great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over Israel forever, and of his kingdom it will never end. An angel comes and announces Jesus is coming, yet he is not quite here. Today, as we would say, there is love in the world, and I'm experiencing love, but maybe not yet fully. I want to give you three reminders of love this year and ways to practice and receive love in your life today. The first reminder is this. True, fulfilling love comes from God. True, fulfilling love comes from God. This is really the answer to the question that most of us, as we live our daily lives, are, we're not consciously, but maybe more unconsciously asking the question, where will I receive love? How do I receive love? Will it come from someone who takes special attention and notice of me and serves me and loves me well? Will I receive love by maybe accomplishing something or reaching a certain level of status or earning something where people will see me and notice me and I will get recognition and therefore love from that? Or maybe because of a lack of love, we hold incredibly high expectations of others and our family or our friendships to notice us. Maybe it's from our parents or from our spouse, our kids or friends. It is important to remember that no person can fully give you the kind of love that your soul was made for. If you're in the world looking for love and you feel like you keep coming up short, I actually believe that there's a reason for that. No person was ever meant to help you experience love fully. It's unfair to expect that of them. Often in our culture, we love the phrase, you complete me. Isn't it wonderful and a beautiful idea? When I found you, our hearts came together and you completed me. Yet I think if we actually live like that is true in our home with our spouses, we have a suffocating level of high expectation. You complete me. Am I supposed to find everything I need in you? If you live that way, it will be the fastest way to suffocate your relationship. You cannot put that expectation on somebody else. Well, do I have a soulmate? We love that idea too. I would say actually you do have a soulmate, but it's not the kind of person that you would think. For God has created us, Ecclesiastes says, for God has placed eternity within the soul of man. God has created you out of his great love for you so that you can know him and experience and live life with him in love throughout your life. Your soul has been created for love with him. No other person can fully fulfill that spot, the void in your life. So, love from another person is good, but they cannot complete you. 1 John 4 says, God is love. This is the defining nature of who God is in his character. God is love. Love is not God, and there is a difference between those. God is love. God is the one who defines and depicts what true love is. And if you were God, how would you make your love known in the world? Think of it this way. Why does God give us relationships? If you, as a child, have parents who love you and love you well, the gift of that relationship is that you can experience a father figure, a mother figure, a parent who provides for you. 
that you can trust, even when you're not sure that's the right thing, I can trust, you are trustworthy, and you provide for me. God gives us that relationship so we can experience him, maybe, as father. When you have a spouse, why does God give, give us that gift of relationship? So that we can see that we can be intimately know someone and share all of life with them. And it is a joyful thing, not a struggle. We look forward to sharing life with them as we should walk with God. That relationship is a gift. Or if you've ever had a child and you've held that child for the first time, you know in a moment that you have unconditional love for this child. There's nothing that they could ever do or say for you to stop loving them. God gives us the gift of relationship of parenting young children to teach us just a glimpse of the way that he looks at us. No matter what you do, I will never stop loving you, and I desire to live in a right relationship with you. So God gives us these relationships, each one as a piece of the whole of who God is and how he loves us. It should teach us about love. And as we learn about what love is, we realize that love is always giving, self-sacrificing, and serving towards the other. Even the famous verse, John 3, 16, but maybe from a different translation so you can see the way that love is expressed. It says, for this is how God loved the world he gave. That's the very nature of what love is. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Love gives. Even as I looked at the Christmas story this week, I mean, what part of it should we read? What part really highlights love? Is it the, the wise men coming from the east? Is it the shepherds? Is it the angel, Mary, Joseph? I struggled a little bit because I realized the entire story is about God's love. And not just the Christmas story. The entire story is about God's love. That because it's who he is, he created so that he could love us. When we turn our back on him and don't live in right relationship with him, even then he keeps pursuing us. And when we can't do it ourselves, we can't live in right relationship with him, he would come himself in his son Jesus and do for us what we could not do for ourselves so that we may know and experience the love of God. If you summed up the Christmas message in one sentence, it would be this. God who is love draws near and becomes human so that humanity can draw near to God and experience the life and love of God. The point of the Christmas story is that God is love and he draws near. Even from our main passage today, I want you to see this as I was reading it. Luke 2, it says, Gabriel appeared to Mary. Go to the next one for me. Gabriel appeared to Mary and says, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Favored woman. Maybe a different way to think about that. Greetings, my favorite. The way I think about you. You're my favorite. Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Scripture reads that Mary was confused and disturbed and afraid. Which again, I give Mary credit. If an angel appeared to me right here, right now, I would probably be confused, disturbed, and probably afraid. What is this? I've never experienced anything like this before. But yet the angel says, you are my favorite. Maybe a different way to think about this. Oftentimes, when a messenger, an angel, when a messenger, someone who serves for God, tells you these words, God loves you. God favors you. God is with you. 
God wants a relationship with you. Oftentimes, our response, maybe not so much disturbed or confused, but our response is to disqualify ourselves from God's love. God would love me? No. If God knows everything, which you say he does, that means he knows what I've done. He knows the way I think about that person. He knows the anger and the unforgiveness that I hold in my heart towards that person. I mean, sure, I can believe that God would love me, but isn't he way more happy with those other people? Like, do you see the successful people? Man, they have their stuff together. They're good and they're kind and they're generous. Like, I'm sure that's who God would love. God would not love someone like me. If you've ever thought those words, recognize that as a lie from the enemy. The entire story, Christmas, to a people that are on the fringe, who are outcasts, who look, the rest of the world looks at them as unlovable. Those are the people that God draws near to, to reveal his great love for them. Jesus would later say as an adult, it is not those that are healthy that need a doctor. It's those that are sick. Or another way to say that, those who know that they are in need, those are the people that I have come for. So instead of disqualifying yourself from God's love, there's no way he could love me. Recognize you are the very person he loves. It's reinforced here. Mary, you are God's favor. You have God's favor at the end. It's also important for us to notice in our modern Western way of the world, you are not loved because of something you have done. There is no way for you, as Ephesians 2 says, to earn God's love, to be good enough, to show up to church enough, to be generous enough, to, there's no such thing as enough. Right now, as it stands, Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection and forgiveness is enough for you, if you would believe it. God has loved you. He has come near. He wants a relationship with you, and that is enough. Can you simply receive that today? This is the point of the story. And so thirdly today, you unexpectedly find love by giving and not by receiving. Actually, I'm going to go back to number two. I realized I got carried away and really excited, and I skipped the whole point here. Number two, you can only give what you have received. You can only give what you have received. How many of you have bought Christmas presents for someone this year? For the rest of you, this is the reminder. You only have seven days. This is the week. Go and do it. You can only give it to them if you have purchased to give it to them, right? For some of you, maybe the more lazy, but I'm not judging you, route of like, hey, Amazon will ship it to your house. Once you get it, don't open it, but wrap it, put it under the tree. You can open it Christmas morning. Maybe you don't have to actually get it to give it to them. Some of you have found that beautiful place of marriage that I have found this year where my wife has said, I know what I want. I'm going to buy it myself. I will put it in the stocking, and Christmas morning, I'm going to be just as surprised like, I am such a good gift giver. Oh my goodness, you got exactly what you wanted. That's amazing. Maybe that flies in the face of the point here. Um, you can only give to others what you yourself have received. Jesus, in speaking, he says this, the Father has loved me in the same way I have loved you. And then he says these words, abide in my love or remain in my love or Live in my love. Once you receive this love for me, it is a gift, yes. But don't just take your gift and run away and never come back. 
live in this kind of love, to daily be reminded, God loves me not because of what I've done, and even though I have fallen short, he still loves me. What does it mean to receive that love and the forgiveness today and to live my life out of gratitude, out of response for that love? Every day, abide in. This is the God, even though it doesn't make sense to me, who loves me. When you remain in his love, you receive his love. For if you cannot give what you have not received, I heard one pastor say it this way, and I think this is beautiful. We become more loving by experiencing more love. It's not by I'm going to read another book and learn more about love. It's not I'm going to muster up the the compassion and service within my heart, so I'm going to love you more. No, we, we are able to give love by the love that we receive. Another way to say it, we at some level can only love to the degree that we have been loved. If you've experienced healthy love, then you know how to give healthy love to someone else. Well, how do you experience this? How do you abide in Jesus? How do you put yourself in places and spaces to hear God loves me, the mindsets, or to participate in the means of grace that show you God loves you? And then as he fills your heart to overflowing with love, the natural byproduct of how you live your life would be to love God and to love others. If you can only give what you have received, then we need to find ourselves spending time in God's presence receiving his love so then we can give it to the world. Abide in my love. Number three today, you will unexpectedly find love by giving, not by receiving. Acts 20 says this, you should remember the words of Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. To find love, be love to others. As you do, you will find others who are healthy who can reciprocate that love to you. When I think about even the phrase, I love that. I love this. As children, think Christmas morning, we unwrap the present and we get the things. Oh my goodness, I love this toy. I love that. I've been wanting this thing. Thank you so much. I love it. Maybe as we move more towards adolescence, we begin to value experiences. Maybe it's not so much the thing that we have, but the experience. Oh, I I got to go and do this. I got to see this. We got to do this thing together. It's the experience that we value. Yet I think as we grow and mature, we should arrive at an adulthood maturity perspective where we realize life is not about things. Life is not about experiences. Isn't life more about the people that we share it with? And to begin to love those people for who they are. And the beautiful part about this is once you begin to see that people are the most important thing, then you can share, you can share from what you have, your experiences or your things, to love them well. And there we find this deep fulfilling, for God has created us to love him and love others. When we love people in the way that we should, there we find fulfilling love. And sometimes we grow into full-grown adults, and our stature, and our age, yet we have not progressed along this maturity. And so maybe we're full-grown adults, but we still value things. It's not the Hot Wheels car anymore. It's the hot new car in the driveway that's the newest year. It's amazing. Maybe it's not the toys that I've got in my room in the house, but do you see my house? We still value things. Or maybe progress into the adolescent of experiences. Man, we were able to go there. We were able to do this thing. 
And I'd often say sometimes, people that value experiences, it looks like they value people, but what they do is they're going through relationship after relationship or friend after friend because they're not really valuing those people. They're valuing the idea of those people and their experience with that person more than they're valuing the person itself. So what does it mean to grow into maturity and to see people for who they are, to love them as they are, to find relationship and friendship there? To the person maybe who's here today or watching online who keeps going through relationship after relationship or friend after friend, and they keep searching and they're feeling this lack of love. At the end of that relationship or friendship, they keep trying, but they find themselves saying things like, well, we just don't have that much in common. We're too different. They're just not really like me. Beware. Is it really a friend you're looking for? Or more a reflection of yourself? Oh, we just don't have that much in common. They're not really like me. Are we supposed to be looking for me and someone else? I'm not looking for a mirror so I can love myself. We should love them for who they are. To love someone because they're like us is ultimately just to practice egotistical self-love. This is about me. Instead, when we find our love for them as they are, we pour out our love for them. And then in our differences, we grow and we learn how to love one another in a healthy way. And then as we practice this individually church, we become this beautiful, diverse group of people who are all very, very different, and that's beautiful. We love God and love each other, even in our differences. This is how we are supposed to live. So have we grown to value people more than we value experiences or things we accumulate? And are we using what we have to be a blessing to others? First John 2, 6 is very clear. It says, those that say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus as Jesus. If you were to ask anyone today, what is Christianity known for? When you think of Christians, what do you think of? If you ask anyone of the millennial generation going down, the picture will probably be pretty bleak of what they think of Christianity from the shift in our culture. But yet, if you call yourself a Christian, those that say they live in God, if you call yourself a Christian, you should live your life as Jesus did. How did Jesus live his life? He left all of his power and position authority to be born in a manger, to draw near to those who were different than him, who couldn't give him anything. He already had everything. To love them well, to use even his life to selflessly sacrifice and serve those around him. Ultimately, even on his death on a cross, I will give all of my life so that you may have life. If you call yourself a Christian, live as Jesus did. Give away your life for the sake of others, even if they never return it. For that is how Jesus has loved us. And Jesus gives us the command. This is my command. John 15, 17. Love each other. Today, be reminded, true fulfilling love comes from God. Today or this week, reflect on the question. Am I looking for love from somewhere else? A person? A status? A place? If you're looking for love, look to Jesus. Number two, you can only give what you have already received. Have you received God's love? Maybe for the first time, but then after that, are you abiding? Are you living in daily in God's love? Number three, you unexpectedly find love by giving and not by receiving. How generous have I been in loving others? Am I missing out on the joy 
of a loving life because I've been so stingy in what I will give to others? What if God meets us in the act of giving itself to bring us joy and life and love there? It's unexpected, but that is where we find it. Really, in this entire series, Unexpected Christmas, it's really been about, man, despite where my life is today, even in the chaos and the busyness of Christmas, can I find hope unexpectedly in my life? In the midst of a hard time, can I find peace, which I wouldn't expect in this time, or joy last week? Really today, yes, you'll find love unexpectedly by giving love away, but I want us to take a turn as a church. Not so much inward focused of how can I receive, but what does it look like to be a serving, loving, generous church individually to those around us? If we're going to be a church of service, love, and generosity, here's my prayer for you this week. God would give you open eyes and a compassionate heart. What I've been praying for you is that in these next six days, there'll be a conversation that happens somewhere around you, and you'll hear of an opportunity to be a blessing to somebody else. What if by the way that you love someone, love is not just a great idea, love is an act. So as you act, as you serve, as you bless, as you give something away, that's what love is that you could change someone else's Christmas? What if someone else could have an unexpected Christmas because of you and your blessing and your generosity? So in these next six days, with open eyes, God, give me an opportunity to bless someone. Give me an opportunity to give someone an unexpected Christmas this year. And that as you hear, as you see, then he would give you a compassionate heart, that you would actually take action to love them well to give of yourself, to bless them, and give them an unexpected Christmas. I want you to hear these words one more time, thinking through these three reminders. Hear these words. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. He's the fulfillment. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God for God is love. God showed how much he has loved us by sending his one and only son into the world, Christmas, so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So friends, since God has loved us this much as we receive his love, we surely ought to love one another be the blessing to others. No one has seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. So in response today, would you receive God's love? Would you spend even the next few moments being reminded, despite who I am, despite what I've done, God chooses to love me today. Would you receive that love? Abide in that love. And then this week as you leave, that you would be an unexpected blessing to someone else, that someone else would experience God's love and you would experience God's love to you and through you as you be the blessing to someone else. Be generous so that others can have an unexpected Christmas. Would you bow your heads and pray with me today? God, today, I'm thankful for the reminder you have shown great love to us. That while we were still sinners, while we were far from you, while we were so preoccupied about our own life 
and everything we have coming up. Before we were even born, you chose to love us. God, help each one of us this morning to see ourselves as a child in your hands, the ones that you love. Maybe you're here today and you feel far away from God. You know you haven't been living life as you should. You know that you're not experiencing this great love of God in your heart. If that's you today, just simply repeat after me in praying. God, I'm sorry for living apart from you. I recognize that you love me. I recognize that you created me so I could know you and experience your love. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Give me a new life, a new hope, a new future, a new love to walk in. If you prayed this today, scripture says, God so loves us. He throws our sin as far as the east is from the west. He remembers it no more. He welcomes you home like a child who's running home into the arms of a grace-filled and loving father. Would you receive that love today? God, for all of us, help us to pause for a few moments to abide in your love, to live in this love. This week, as we go and show our love to others, may it come from a deep well of a life overflowing, full of the love that you have put within our hearts. God, this week, give us open eyes and a compassionate heart. And when we see of a need, we wouldn't just pray. We would be the answer to the prayer. That we would meet people where they are to love them in action and in service by giving our life away, giving something away, so they may experience your love and an unexpected Christmas this year. Give us the opportunities to show your love to others this Christmas season. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us for the First Naz podcast. If you're interested in what your next step in growing your relationship with God might look like, I'd encourage you to visit us at firstnaz.cc engage, or you can download our app from the App Store, First Nazarene Church. And there you can let us know if you've made a decision for Jesus, or you can also find practical resources to help you grow closer to Jesus. I'd also invite you to subscribe to the podcast if you're not already to make sure that you've always got the latest content. And if you want to, feel free to share this on your social accounts. You never know who else might need to hear today's message as well. Well, thanks again for joining us. Have a great day.